This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 30th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Drug czar Gil Kurlikowski says, of course, the feds will continue to prosecute marijuana cases in Washington and Colorado, the legalization of marijuana in those two states notwithstanding. But if we take the Constitution seriously, says Cato Institute Legal Affairs Vice President Roger Pilon, the feds should stand down immediately. This is from uh, Marketplace Radio, the uh, American public media program. On Election Day, voters in Washington and Colorado went for President Obama. They also voted to legalize marijuana. Gil Kurlikowski, however, the president's top drug advisor, says the states that have passed their own laws to legalize or decriminalize marijuana should not assume the federal government will look the other way. This is a state versus federal power issue here. The states have essentially said... We are no longer going to have laws that uh, punish adults for engaging in this activity. Uh, But what is the federal government here essentially asserting? Well, it's striking that one of the constitutional issues here is that the enforcement of laws pertaining to alcohol, tobacco, and the like are ordinarily uh, done under the state police power. But, of course, here we have a federal statute uh, making uh, marijuana a uh, – but here we have a federal statute making the possession and sale of marijuana uh, a federal crime. And so we have federal law overriding state law. But let's step back just a bit. Here we have two states that have – actually made uh, the uh, use of marijuana uh, completely legal, uh, whereas previously we've had municipalities and states make the uh, medicinal use of marijuana legal. And so we're moving clearly in the direction of freeing up uh, the use of marijuana. But in the meantime, we have this overhang of the federal statute, and the question arises— What is the federal government going to do? Uh, Immediately after Colorado and Washington State uh, passed these initiatives, uh, the state's attorneys, or excuse me, the federal U.S. attorneys in both uh, Colorado and in um, Washington State, as well as the DEA officials there, said that we're going to continue enforcing federal law. But it's not clear that the Obama administration is going to do that. First of all, the drug advisor, uh, Gil Kurlikowski, uh, we should note, was the police chief of Seattle. And he was famous or infamous uh, for having said that the enforcement of the drug laws in Seattle were going to be among his lowest priorities. Now he finds himself as Obama's drug advisor. And of course, he has to speak for the administration. And it seems to me the administration is ambivalent about this, at least at one level. Then again, we see the SWAT teams, both federal and state, engaged in the kinds of egregious activities that they often are engaged in. And we wonder just what the Obama administration's game is in all of this. I suppose one could say that is that, as in so much else, it's got a foot in both camps. But uh, it leaves people Uh, in the states like Colorado and Washington, uncertain as to whether they may face prosecution for doing what is perfectly legal under state law. Now, this 
poses practical problems, certainly, for the federal government to enforce uh, these uh, statutes, the Controlled Substances Act, specifically in states that uh, are not going to be cooperative effectively. But uh, the federal government has many options when it comes to uh, shutting down the mechanism of the economy with respect to uh, marijuana, using federal laws to deal with banks, the people who may be financing uh, a lot of the the commerce that is likely to grow up within this uh, within this new market. How does that work? Well, one of the most draconian measures that the federal government has, and state governments as well, is our forfeiture law, whereby they seize property that is alleged to have facilitated a crime. We've got a case that the Institute for Justice is litigating right now from Massachusetts, whereby a motel owner who has tried to keep drug dealing out of his motel as best he can has had that motel that he has uh, had in his family for decades seized by the government uh, on the ground that it facilitated a crime. He's not charged with having committed any crime. The property has been charged with having committed a crime. Now, when you mention the economic side of it, it's interesting that the uh, that the advisor to Obama in, in drug policy has said we're going to continue to take a hard look at those people who are involved in making money on essentially a violation of federal law. Well, it might start with the state of Colorado, which is making a lot of money, tax money, from the sale of marijuana in the state. But, of course, they're not going to go after the state of Colorado. They're going to go after probably people who are growing it for commercial purposes, as is perfectly legal under state law. And so this is part of the process that we're going through right now. And, of course, it's as if we had learned nothing from prohibition. For decades now, we've been fighting this war on drugs, and we are seeing the same results that we got during prohibition. Crime and corruption are everywhere. All we need to do is look at Mexico, and we see some nearly 60,000 deaths since Felipe Calderon cracked down on the drug trafficking in Mexico. Just today, it was revealed that some 25,000 missing people uh, are uh, victims of this war. Uh, it, is, it, is, uh, it is so unbelievable that people could continue imagining that they can win this war when all the evidence goes the other way and the evidence is so brutal in its particulars. What is within the Constitution with respect to the federal police power? That is, you said earlier, states traditionally deal with substances that ought to be controlled, crimes involving trafficking and those those substances and things like that. But we have a vast and growing federal police power here. How do we how do you rein that in and put these types of uh, crimes, if they are to, to be defined as crimes, back in the hands of states? Well, the constitutional implications of the war on drugs are fascinating. I wrote in a chapter in the book that Tim Lynch uh, wrote uh, or edited uh, some years back that Cato published on this issue. There is no general federal police power, which is the kind of power that would be used to enforce criminal laws. The way the uh, Controlled Substances Act uh, is justified under the Constitution 
is through, of course, the commerce power, uh, Congress's power to regulate interstate commerce. But the problem there is that the commerce power was originally designed to ensure a free market among states as against state efforts to interfere with the free uh, commerce in goods. Here you've got people who want to engage in free commerce, and the commerce power is being used to prohibit them from doing so. Moreover, if you then say, well, this is an illegitimate use of the commerce power, but it still remains to states to be able to prohibit this commerce under their state police power, then we've got a very different question under the 14th Amendment, not under the federal commerce power. Under the 14th Amendment, individuals can bring actions against states that are violating their rights, and it falls to the federal courts to enforce those rights by prohibiting those state actions. Well, here you've got what Robert Nozick called consenting acts or capitalist acts between consenting adults. And the state is interfering with those capitalist acts between consenting adults. So rightly, the federal government and the federal courts in particular should be prohibiting the state from exercising their police power in this way. Now, I realize that's a very radical position, but if we take the Constitution seriously— and we realize that it is an institution to secure liberty, including the liberty to do things that other people may find wrong, then not because they violate rights, but because they offend their sensibilities, then we, are, uh, then we have to recognize that the federal government should be prohibiting states from enforcing these kinds of laws. Now, let me conclude this way. Nothing in what I have said is meant to be construed as indicating that I am promoting the use of marijuana or drugs or tobacco or alcohol for that matter. Oh, I enjoy my bourbon like many a man does, but that's not the point. What we have here is something akin to what we enjoy under the First Amendment— Voltaire is alleged to have said, I may disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. So, too, with the use of drugs or alcohol or tobacco. I may, be, I may disagree with what you do, what you put into your body, but you know it's your body, it's not my body. And so it's accepting children, of course, which must be protected. It seems to me that we have here a perfect example of government getting involved in a matter that should be left to private decision-making. Drug abuse should be treated like alcohol abuse or tobacco abuse, presumably, as a health matter, not as a criminal law matter. If we treat it as a criminal law matter, we are dealing with a, an activity that has been with us from the beginning of time, and we will reap the rewards of doing so that we see today in Mexico that we saw during Prohibition and that we are seeing in this country in spades. To my mind, it's just simply time to end this, and it looks like the votes in Colorado and Washington are moving us in the direction that I think we're going to see 
over the years to come. Roger Pilon is the Vice President for Legal Affairs at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.